Teachers are ordained and anointed by God to correct, reprove, and instruct in righteousness. Teachers are disciples held to a higher standard and confidence. Teachers are offenders of evil because they speak God's truth. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Welcome, beautiful people, to another episode of The Teaching Prophet. I am she, she is me, Tangela L. Clayton, the master teacher, delivering lessons for the Lord. Oh my goodness, we are coming to the end. We are coming to the end of our learning journey in the book of Acts, not the end of the podcast. No way. All right. So we're like coming to the end. We're now in chapter 27. If you're just not joining us, it's your first time listening. Welcome. Welcome. We invite you to the table. Come in, sit down. But before you sit down, my bad, we need you to get your papers your pencils, whatever you take notes on, your Bible. We want to make sure that you've been praying, you've been seeking God. And if you haven't, you can start today. There's no time like the presence, uh, the present. And so we want you to be able to fully rightly divide a word of truth according to your spiritual level in God. We're going to just get into the lesson. And we we ask you to go back in there, Scott. We ask you to, you know, to, 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 Ask him what's going on. Say, if this is this lady teaching right? And if she's not, Lord, then, hey, tell her. Because we want to make sure that we are doing what we are supposed to be doing for God. And we are helping you. We are uh, creating an atmosphere where you can learn, where you can, you know, again, rightly divide the word of truth. So, uh, welcome. And just to remind everybody, while we're still in the book of Acts, even though we have one more chapter, um, we focus on a particular audience, a key personality trait, and a few words and or phrases. And so for chapter 27, um, again, I, I did these lessons a year ago, didn't know what I was going to do with them. I just did them. And so... I refresh myself in the lessons. And as I looked at this audience, I was like, mm, why did I pick this one? <laughs> why did I, why did I write this down? And, um, so I'm going back and I'm looking and I'm like, okay, okay. And as I'm refreshing myself, getting into the word of God, um, you know, read, just read, just read going over everything. And I said, oh, Okay. Well, Lord, we're going to see how you drive this one home because we're talking about passengers. Yes, we're talking about passengers. And so that's why I said, Lord, we're going to see how you drive this one home. All right. So a passenger, a passenger is a traveler on a public or private conveyance, not the driver, not the pilot, not a part of the crew. You are a passenger you bought a ticket, you, you, you know, submitted your whatever to be a passenger. You volunteered, you raised your hand, you gave your life to Christ. You said, Lord, for you, I live and for you, I die. And therefore you became a passenger, not the driver, not the pilot, not a part of the crew. That's the definition, right? Um, so but the part of the crew part, um, 
Nope, you're a passenger. Mm-mm, you're a passenger. On this voyage, you are a passenger. So your attribute is going to be modest. Modest. Of unassuming or moderate behavior, speech, dress, just your overall lifestyle, your overall being, you should emote modest, modesty. You ought to be unassuming or moderate in behavior, speech, dress, overall lifestyle. All right, so our keywords for today is going to be sit, survey, share. Sit. You was like, I do this every day. I should know the definition. Okay. To remain in a particular position or state. To sit in something. To sit. To remain in a particular position or state. Survey. To look carefully and thoroughly at. Survey. When you're on your trip, you're on your journey. And uh, I, I took a train for the first time uh, last year. First time. Well, first time by myself that I know as an adult. My mom said I took a train with her when I was younger. Don't remember. So for the first time as an adult and I can survey, I can sit and survey, I enjoy the rolling lands and looking at the water and the bridges and the and the scenery right and then I was able to share which means to give a portion to another I was able to share that story I'm sharing the story now how beautiful the land of you know America is in certain parts of the country when you take it by train because you don't have to drive you're not a driver you are a passenger. You're not a part of the crew. You are just there. You are there. You're just simply there on this journey, right? And so I'm able to just sit. I don't have to worry about stopping for gas. I, I do like to drive every now and again, but most times I don't. Um, and flying for some parts of the country, I would rather take a train. So I can sit and I can survey the beautiful land that God has given to us. And so we can see it and just take it all in and then share it with somebody who never been on a train before or who don't enjoy or have not seen to enjoy the beautiful land, which we call United States of America. All right. So our audience passenger, our attribute is modest or modesty. And our keywords are going to be sit, survey, share. All right, chapter 27. Now listen, you're not going to get to heaven because you don't know how to pronounce all these names and these different things in the Bible. You're not, that's not a requirement to get into heaven. So when I tangelify, yes, I made that up. My word, don't steal it. I tangelify these things. That's because I'm not even worried about these words because they are not of importance in the sense of what we are teaching today. Now, if you were in my English class and we were teaching words and, you know, f uh, phonetic, ah, phonemic awareness and different things, I would most certainly be glad to 
run over all these words and we both struggle with the word because that's the new that's the thing now we want the kids to struggle with the information so they can you know critically think right that's not one of these times so the first part of this chapter I'm going to tantalify it uh Paul when it was decided that they would sail to Italy uh Paul and the other prisoners and Julius a centurion right they all entered this ship and they entered the ship and they were put out to sea and um so they sailed the coast of Asia now back then right back then as I did my study back then they didn't really have a good awareness of sea travel right they didn't have a good awareness of sea travel like we do today. We have all these instruments and gadgets and stuff to tell us we're going northeast by northwest and all of that other good stuff and um, the latitude and longitude and all of that stuff that when you go on cruises and you're a passenger, you don't even worry about, right? You don't worry about because you're a passenger. You are there to soak up the cruise ship life. But back in the day, they didn't have a good sense of that. So they travel along the coast of certain um, countries to get to where they needed to go. So now they're traveling along the coast of Asia. Now, the ship that they were on only traveled around the coast of Asia. They needed to get to Rome, right? So they needed to get to Rome. And so they had to change ships a couple of times. They had to sit and lay over a couple of times. And some in their layovers... Uh, Paul was permitted to go about, you know, to receive care. He had friends. There were different Christians in the cities that they were laying over and he would, he was permitted to go with his friends and you know, all that. Right. And so then they would go to another city. And so finally they found a ship of Macedonian, a uh, no, no, no. They found an Alexandrian ship selling. And they knew, oh, okay, this ship is going to Macedonia, which is over there by where Greece is at. We need to get on this ship, right? So they get on that ship. Um, so they on this ship, and they it says that in my study Bible, that it was good sailing weather between certain months. And for this journey, they were not in those months. They were in the difficult sailing months, right? They were in the difficulty. They were going to be, um, yeah, they were going to head into some things, right? So verse nine says, now when much time has spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them saying, men, I perceive this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not of only the cargo and ship, but of also our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also. If by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, opening toward the southwest and northwest and winter there. So basically, he was saying, uh, I don't think we should take this trip right now. And they was like, you a passenger, 
sit on down. <laughs> just sit and survey and share, right? You're a passenger, sit down. We, you ain't got nothing to do with this. The helm is, the helmsman is the driver. The owner of the ship is, is the one that's driving it. So we're going to listen to them. And, but then someone else said, hey, y'all might not want to go to where y'all going now because that's not suitable for winter. You might want to go, you know, to the harbor of Crete towards the southwest, northwest and winter there because the winter is going to be a little bit more better there. Not as harsh, right? No, no, no. They proceeded on south. And so that south wind blew. It blew. When I say it blew, it blew. But not long after that, Eurycladon, 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 Eurocyclone. Hey, I told you, you're not going to heaven messing up these words. Apparently, this is supposed to be like some type of hurricane on the sea. Not quite a hurricane, but it's just like really, it is a bad storm. Just a horrible, horrible storm. It rose, right? It rose up and it caught the ship up. It caught the ship up. And they couldn't do nothing. They couldn't steer the ship. They couldn't get the ship to go the way they wanted it to go. So they just had to let go of the wheel and let it and let it let the ship drive. And let it drive, right? So then they come to this island called Clotta. And they were secured with difficulty, right? They secured to this island with difficulty. All right. So they're battling these winds. They're on this ship. They're going. They, they, they're going. They're battling these winds. They're not listening to Paul. Um, they had to lighten the ship. They had to throw some things off the ship in order for the ship to be drivable, right? To be driving, would well, have to lighten some things off the ship. And then in verse 20, it says, Now then, neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us. All hope that we would be saved was finally given up. So they, the people was given up. They'd like, Okay, we done. We done. We done threw the tackle overboard. <laughs> we done, we done threw things overboard. And now it's dark. We can't see nothing. We have no natural light. We have no light. We cannot see anything. So then in verse 21, but after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship for there stood by me this night, an angel of the, of God to whom I belong and whom I serve saying, do not be afraid, Paul, you must be brought before Caesar. And indeed God has granted you all this who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told to me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. Now, when the 14th night had come, because they had been at sea this long, battling this, these tumultuous winds and different things and had to throw tackle overboard and all this other stuff. Uh, they, it was had been 14 days. All right. So now when the 14th night had come, as we were driven up and down in the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some island and they took 
soundings and found it to be 20 fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they took soundings again and found it to be 15 uh, fathoms. Then fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, when they had let down the skiff into the sea, under pretense of putting out anchors from the prow, Paul said to, centur- to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes and the skiff and let it fall off. And as they was about to done, Paul employed them all to take food, saying, Today is the 14th day. You have waited and continue without food and eaten nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take nourishment, for this is for your survival, since not a hair will fall from the head of any one of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then they were all encouraged and also took food themselves. And in all, we were 266 persons on the ship. So when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and threw out the wheat unto the sea. When it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they observed a bay with a beach unto which they planned to run the ship if possible. And they let go the anchors and left them in the sea. Meanwhile, losing the rudder ropes, they and they hoisted the mainsail to the wind and made for shore. But striking a pace where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the prow struck fast and remained immovable. But the stern was broke, uh, being broken up by the violence of the waves. And the soldiers planned to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim away and escape. But the centurion waiting to save Paul kept them from their purpose and commanded that those who could swim should jump aboard first and to and get to land and the rest some on boards and some on parts of the ships ship. And so it was that they all escaped free safely to land. Amen to the reading of God's word. All right, passengers. Now, those of you that are new here, you're probably wondering, why did I call this prisoners? Well, we did a study on prisoners back in, I think, chapter 25. And if you're new here, go back and listen to that one. This one is about passengers. And I said, okay, God, so a traveler on a public or private conveyance, not the driver, not the pilot, not a part of the crew, modest, of unassuming or moderate behavior, speech, dress, overall lifestyle. You must sit, which means to remain in a particular position or state. You must survey to look carefully and thoroughly at, and you must share to give a portion to another. Now, as we think about, well, as I thought about uh, passenger, one of the one of these songs I forget when this song came out um, was Jesus Take the Wheel, and it was sung by the American Idol winner Carrie Underwood, right? Jesus Take the Wheel, and so as a this phrase is used sometimes in a serious manner and sometimes in a humorous manner. Jesus Take the Wheel. And I said, well, I, I remember that song. Let me 
go over the words. So the words read something like this. She was driving last Friday on her way to Cincinnati on a snow white Christmas Eve, going home to see her mama and her daddy with a baby in the back seat, 50 miles to go. And she was running low on faith and gasoline. It'd been a long, hard year. She had a lot on her mind and she didn't pay attention. She was going way too fast. Before she knew it, she was spinning on a thin black sheet of glass. She saw both their lives flash before her eyes. She didn't even have time to cry. She was so scared. She threw up her hands in the air. Jesus, take the wheel. Take it from my hands because I can't do this on my own. I'm letting go. So give me one more chance and save me from this road I'm on. Jesus, take the wheel. And I thought about that. I was like, okay, as a passenger, if you are doing this the way that I believe that we're supposed to do this, you don't have to ask Jesus to take the wheel because he is the driver and or pilot. He is the one leading your journey. Just as Paul. He told Paul he must go to Rome because he said you have testified in front of the Gentiles. You have testified in all these other places. I need you to go to Rome and be of a testimony there. Be of a testament there. I need you to go there and tell of your Damascus road experience to tell the thing that which I've done for you, because that's your personal testimony. Not only is your personal testimony, but based on the fact that I've used you, excuse me, I've used you miraculously in, you know, talking to these other people in these other countries and to the Gentiles. I've demonstrated through you my power. I need you to go. You have purpose. You have need. I have need of you in Rome. I have need of you in Rome. So when you're traveling on your journey as a passenger, it's hard. It's hard because you are, you are subject to the driver, the pilot, as well as your traveling conditions. In this song, Jesus Take the Wheel, she was driving. She was on a journey, but she was driving. Some of us, we're, we're uh, what they call uh, backseat drivers or, or, or dashboard drivers or, you know, wherever position you are in in the car as a passenger that's not under the wheel, we tend to want to control the wheel. We want to be in control. I remember a fellow teacher, we were going, all of us, all of us teachers was going somewhere, meeting up somewhere, and um, we decided to carpool. And I said, well, I will ride with this particular teacher. The Lord just let me, you know, say, go drive, ride with her. So I said, okay. And I asked her, I said, hey, can I, you know, and the first thing she says is, we're driving my car, we're taking my car. I don't like to be, I don't like people driving me. And I said, that is fine. I said, that's fine. She said, I just, I like to be in control of my own car. I like to be in control. I, I, I just can't, ooh, my nerves are bad when other people drive me. <laughs> I said, okay, you're, you're fine. I, hey, I didn't say I want to drive. I said, I want to drive with you. 
So as we're driving, she's texting while driving. She she drives up on the back of cars and then switch lanes like she was a very Ooh, Lord, I was pushing my imaginary brake over there on the passenger side. But then at one point I stopped. I said, stop. I said, Lord, you wanted me to ride with her for a reason. So let me just be the passenger. Let me just let go. Because whatever is going to happen in this car is going to happen wherever I push this imaginary brake or not. So I simply just sat there and I prayed after I surveyed I just prayed I just shared my prayer I just you know I didn't audible it I didn't say it verbally I just prayed after survey and after looking at her controlled her her environment I was subject to her the driver as well as the driving conditions and so I began to just pray and I prayed that she would um, not be a distractive driver, just be more attentive to driving, right? Because even as the driver, you can still enjoy the journey. But I wasn't the driver that day, I was a passenger. And I I, I, I thoroughly enjoy being a passenger because I like being a passenger. Um, I don't like driving that much. I do it because I have to, but I don't like it. And so we tend to want to be in control when we eat, when we don't even have, we don't have the wherewithal to actually be in control of this journey. We don't, we are simply passengers. And so we must give up that control. We must respect the driver and the pilot. We got to respect them. Because they are responsible for us. Because see, had she gotten into an accident that day, I could have not only, you know, by law sued her as well. I could have sued the other drivers because I was a passenger. So she took that responsibility on. She took that responsibility on of making sure that I got from point A to point B and back to point A because we were, again, we were carpooling to a particular destination. And so when you when 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 you are the driver, you assume the responsibility of all the passengers around you. I don't want that responsibility. I Jesus take the wheel. <laughs> take it. And so on this journey, on this Christian journey, if you are in the driver's seat, you are in the wrong seat. You're in the wrong seat. Because Jesus should already be at the wheel of this journey. Because he has a purpose, his purpose. We make plans, God has a purpose. And so, while we're, while we're going on this journey, just like Paul and him didn't have any sun, didn't have the sun and any stars, basically no lights, it was dark. They could not see. They could not even see if they were near land. But Eurekladon came. It came and drove them so far away from their course and so far into darkness that they gave up hope. They had given up hope. 
in those darkest hours, when you feel like you've gone so far off course in doing whatever God is telling you to do, you have to remember your purpose. You have to remember your purpose and, and that's where the sitting remains. That's where the sitting come in. You have to remain in that state of, I have purpose. God have need of me in this thing or wherever he's taking you, wherever that journey is taking you, you have to remember that you have purpose, that God has purposed you to be on this particular journey. And just because you are the passenger and not the driver doesn't lessen your purpose. It doesn't lessen your purpose and it will get dark. It will get so dark. You can't even see the hand in front of you. You can't, but you're going to have to remember, you're going to have to remember to sit in that state of, I have purpose. You're forever surveying your land. You're, for, you're forever looking around to make sure or to gather intel. I look at survey as gathering intel. Like, yes, I'm looking at this beautiful country, but I'm gathering how God did this. I'm gathering the intels of the interworkings of how God did this and how God is doing this. Right? How he is doing this. And so you're going to have to remain steadfast in your faith and your practicality. Because during those, those dark moments, you cannot just, what, what I heard a preacher say, hooking a Messiah some things away. You're going to have to practice practicality what you have already been preached to or what you have preached, what you have learned or what you have taught. You're going to have to put in practicality your faith. And the action of your faith, you're going to have to, that's what the practicality is, is the action of your faith. And if you are steady in that, even in the darkest moments, you will boost the morale of those on a similar journey or those around you. Because I'm telling you, I know Paul was looking around and surveying the chaos that was happening on that ship because people were throwing things overboard. They were trying to figure out how to do this. Okay, we tied this off. Okay, now we got to cut this and throw away this. Like I know Paul because he was a passenger. He wasn't part of the crew. So he was sitting there. He was sitting there surveying the foolery. They were supposed, they should have listened to him. They should have listened to him. Some of some of us bringing it bringing it to today and bringing it to you know experience of us now. Some of us ride with people just as I wrote with that young lady who love to be on their devices. And I know you told them, hey, you know that text message can wait, that Facebook posting could wait, that that notification you're trying to check it could wait, and it can. It's it it sh that email it can wait till you come to a stop. And, and I don't like, I don't know about you guys, but I am a passenger. I don't mind pulling over on the side of the road so we can take care of business, then get back on the road. That's practicality. Like if it needs to happen now, if you need to do this email to send this text or whatever, you can pull over. Listen, wherever we're going, it's going to be there. 
And if it's not there, then it wasn't meant for us to be there in the first place. Things can wait. You don't need to put your passengers' lives in danger because you are a reckless driver and will not heed instructions or will not heed common sense or will not heed someone telling you, don't do that. Don't go there. Dangers ahead. Because as a passenger, I don't have the responsibility to to um, watch out for the other drivers and all of these things. All I have to do is sit and survey. And on occasion, share. Hmm? Share a portion to someone. Riding with my mom and we're talking and she's the driver and I'm the passenger. And I just said, don't hit the man. Don't hit the man. Watch out for the man. And she was so engrossed in talking and she swear she's looking around, but yet she didn't see that man stepping into the crosswalk. But I did watch out for the man. Don't hit the man. And it wasn't until she almost got up on him that she's like, Oh Lord, there's a man. That's what I've been saying. And then when I try to tell her, well, I was warning you, I saw everything. I, I could see what I'm doing. But you didn't see that man. Now he better get out my way. He better move. You will be the one in trouble. You know that, right? Because I saw when that man stepped in the crosswalk. I should, you should have saw him too. I didn't see him. I can only see foot so far. You're the driver. You were supposed to be paying attention to the things pertaining to driving. I'm a passenger. I surveyed, I saw him, I was able to carry on the conversation, but I also said, don't hit the man, watch out for the man. Cause the man sure wasn't watching out for us. He was too busy trying to get to a car in the intersection to panhandle. You have to be careful as drivers. You have to be open to receive because your passenger may share something that is very important to you. It's very important to you. Another thing that God, you know, opened me up to was in one of the verses, it says they put out soundings. Let's see. Let's go up. All right. So they did not recognize land. They plan as possible. Uh, okay. Go up some more. Ah, now on the 14th day, all right, so verse 28, and they took soundings and found it to be 20 fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they took soundings again and found it to be 50 fathoms. fathoms. All right, so soundings was like they they dropped this little device or the, the, one of the anchors, or I forget what did they drop, to hit something at on and sea to see how far land, the sound would come back that they've hit land, right, to see where they were at. This is in the dark. They're still in the dark. It is okay to activate soundings. It is very okay to activate soundings. What do I mean, teacher? You are allowed to ask God for a journey update. Don't let these people fool you. God is not a God you can't question. God is not a God you can't go to and ask questions. I ask him questions all the time, religiously. 
I need to know. One of my one of my main questions used to be the why. Stop asking the why. I, I stop asking the why because he would never tell me the why. He was always giving me the how and the what and the when. And more particularly the how. Like now that I've noticed God, how do you want me to move? Because I'm not going to get the why. Now that I'm going through this, God, and how do you want me to move? Because God don't give me the why. I don't know why. He don't ever give me the why. If he gives you the why, please let me know. You can always put a comment on on these recordings and like and uh, uh, rate these these uh, podcasts, these episodes. He never gives me the why. You are allowed to ask God for a journey update. God, where are we at on this journey? God, how far... Am I to my destination? I didn't say he was going to answer. I just said you can ask. Most times he will. Most times God will allow you to put out soundings, meaning that God will allow you to ask him for an update, not not because you're asking to get out the journey, to get, get away from the journey. Some of us do, but that then I have to tell you, that's asking a mist of your flesh. But if you're genuinely in the dark and you're genuinely you're like, God, I know I'm on the right road. Just give me a sign or tell me, am I still headed to my purpose? And he will answer you one way or another. He will answer you. He will answer you. And just because you may have to change your mode of travel or you have delays does not mean the journey will not be completed. Paul and his crew and the company, they were at the early part of the, the, the chapter, they were at different places. They had to wait. They had to look for a ship. And in the meantime, Paul was able to go with his friends. He was able to be, you know, receive healing. He was able to receive nourishment from his friends. You will complete your journey. You may have to go from flying to, to train, from train to, to a car, from a car to a bicycle. You may sometimes have to walk. You might run a little bit, but you're still going to complete that purpose. You may have to crawl. You know, they say you have to crawl before you walk, but sometimes you have to stop walking in the crawl because your legs are tired. You just, you're overwhelmed by the journey, right? But you're, you're still the passenger and God is still the driver. He's still the pilot. He's still in control. Right. And, you know, I remember the old footprints uh, poem. I know every if you grew up in the area that I grew up in, every household had that footprints poem. Well, you see footprints in the sand and one, you know, one day you saw two and then the next you saw one. By the end of the poem is God said you see you used to see two. Now you see one. That's because I'm carrying you. Yeah, God is still carrying you through to your purpose, to your purpose. Allow God to take the will. Allow Jesus to take the will. If you, if you have the will in your hand, let it go. You can't do this on your own, as the song said. You can't. You can't with the roads that you're going to travel, with the roads that you're on. You cannot do this on your own. You have to allow Jesus to take the will. But if, but if you are one of the ones that you've always surrendered, I will encourage you to continue to surrender because people are looking at you. People are watching. You are a Bible that has been read by so many people. 
it doesn't matter how dark your days will get, how low the valley may seem, and how high the mountains may be. God will never lead you to a place that he will he hasn't prepared provision, that he hasn't prepared a way out because there's no temptations taking you such as common to man. But with the temptation, God has provided a way of escape. Just ask Paul. Just ask Paul. Everywhere he went, God provided. So just know. It's okay to be a passenger. It's okay to sit. It's okay to survey. And it's so okay to share what God is doing on this journey. He that has an ear, let him hear. We hope you've been blessed by another episode of The Teaching Prophet. Don't forget to like, share, and or comment on whichever platform you are listening. We pray you tune in next time. God bless.